Welcome to season six of Knowledge Cast, hosted by Jack Williams. We're excited about this season's guest, and you can learn more about this season and also listen to previous seasons at jackwwilliams.com slash podcast. In addition to season six of Knowledge Cast, did you know that Jack is an author too? The second edition of his book called The Question, A Guide to Answering Life's Most Important Question is now available in paperback and ebook on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. Jack shares his personal journey that began in 1993 to determine the values, principles, and beliefs that would guide all aspects of his life. Already read the first edition? Then share this book with someone and also leave a review on Amazon to help Jack guide even more people on how to answer life's most important question. You can learn more about the question on Jack's website too at jackwwilliams.com. Now let's listen to an all new episode of Knowledge Cast Season 6. Welcome to our sixth season of Knowledge Cast. Uh, glad you joined us today. If you're a first time listener, welcome. And if you're one of our regulars, thank you for coming back. Uh, today, we welcome Dean Sykes to Knowledge Cast. Dean is a minister and author who has been spreading messages of hope to, to teenagers across America and in the nations around the world since 1993. Uh, actually, this week, Dean spoke at his 4,000th event since 1993 and has been in front of over 2.4 million teenagers and written over 25 books for both teenagers and their families. Dean's mission is to inspire teenagers from all walks of life with the truth that they were created as an original, they were created for relationship, and created to fulfill a purpose. His message is very simple and to the point. He says, because you are still breathing, you matter. Uh, Dean's ministry never charges schools or students to speak or for the follow-up resources that they make available to the students. So, Dean, welcome to Knowledge Cast. Hey, good morning. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for this opportunity. Well, I look forward to our time together. Before we get into what you're doing now, tell us a little bit about your background and your prior work career. Sure. You know, I, I grew up in a, in a Christian home, and it was a home where um, we were very encouraged to kind of swing for the bleachers across this this journey we know as life. And I, I tried to do so. Uh, I was in politics at a very, very young age. I, I ran some campaigns. I worked for um, the state Republican Party of Tennessee. I, I traveled across uh, all over this, this state where we call home. And I, and I had an opportunity to meet a lot of people and learned at a pretty early age that it wasn't politics that was driving me. It was what I did in politics. And shortly thereafter, I went to work in real estate development. And at 21, uh, we had whatever, I guess, society says is successful. We had, I guess, a taste of that, but it wasn't fulfilling to me. Um, at 21 years old, I had a real encounter with God, something that just, just, just automatically changed the trajectory of my life. And within months of that encounter, I call it a, def a defining moment, Jack. And, and within moments of that defining moment, which turned into a few weeks, which turned into a few months, the, the Lord had me on a different path. And shortly thereafter, I was working in ministry full time. And in December of 92, I resigned the ministry I was working with and January 1st, 1993, with no money in the bank to do so, uh, a measure of faith, but a big vision to reach young people. Um, I took all of that and took a step of faith, the then largest step of faith in my life, and began an outreach to teenagers with a message that says, God loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And because you are breathing, you matter. Wow. Well, let's let's get into that that mission and that goal of you matter. You kind of gave a, a little bit of a highlight there, but how big 
is the problem, and I'm going to call it a problem, that you're addressing with today's youth? Well, it's, in my view, as someone who's done this now, um, right at 32 years, um, we have an epidemic across the country and in different parts of the world, and the epidemic is suicide among teenagers. The The CDC tells us that every day in America, 5,600 teenagers attempt suicide. Wow. Let's let that sink in a second. 5,600 today will will attempt to end their life. Let let me offer you, Jack, a a visual that might bring your your listeners into a a greater understanding of what I just said. In an arena that seats 12,000 people, that arena would fill up every two and a half days with teenagers who in the previous 60 hours had bought the lie that their death was a better choice than their life. That is a visual. So, you know, I, I actually re- filmed a, a television segment uh, in an arena that seated 12,000 and it, every seat. I mean, I, I, I took time to just kind of span the arena and it was very um, daunting to consider that every seat would be filled with a teenager who who just didn't understand how much their life really does matter. How many schools, churches, youth organizations do you visit in a in a typical year and how many youth? Would that put you in front of typically? Yeah, we I speak at about 175 to 200 events a year. Um, we also do weekly television, and usually on average, I write one book a year. The first decade of our ministry, um, I had this unwritten rule in my office, and the office was basically me at that point. And it was, I wouldn't go anywhere unless there was a thousand people in each audience because I didn't feel like I was being a wise steward of time or resources unless we reached as many as we could. And so for the first decade, we reached 100,000 students every year, so a million students in the first decade. The second decade of our outreach, I went and was really led to go into more private and Christian schools. So the numbers basically went from 100,000 a year to 50,000 a year. And then that, of course, would be another half a million. And then in the third decade, it began to grow, and we began to go into high schools that were both public, private, Christian, alternative. And so now we've reached over 2.5 million students um, in live events at this point. And it allows us, one day I was praying about it, and I had this question hit my heart. And the question was, how do you build a crowd? I thought, well, this is a trick question, but I'm going I'm to listen. And the answer was one person at a time. And I believe God really is after the individual. I don't think he's too terribly concerned about crowds. So I kind of just backed off from my self-imposed rule. And I remember one time I was in Dallas for something and I had to be in Birmingham the next morning. And I remember I drove all night and I got to where I was speaking. I walked literally across a cow field in Birmingham, Alabama to a little what would I would call a little shack where there were three young ladies who were part of a ministry. And I was scheduled to speak there that day. And I walked out of that little shack after talking for 45 minutes with those three young ladies and their teacher, feeling more empowered than I had when I had spoken with 16,000 students in an arena. And I realized every life counts. That's amazing. Well, you know, some people, uh, I know the answer to this, but some people would say, well, how in the world do you speak to that many organizations, schools in a typical year? And I know, I know in the past you've done multiple schools on a particular day. Tell us how you're able to do that. Well, we we are very grateful in that we have our own aviation. And so um, our ministry is debt-free. And for that, we're extremely thankful. And basically, we, we just have a great team of people who help facilitate the logistics and the scheduling and, and the advanced work of, of getting us from city to city. And 
you know, I my theory, Jack, is if we're going to live on this this earth and we're going to have a, 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 a an opportunity to make a difference, I don't believe we're going to stand before God and answer for what we did. I believe we're going to stand before God and answer for what we did as it relates to what he called us to do. And I know that students are hopeless in many regards, and I know they're looking for real what I call the intangible asset of hope. And for me, that's found in a relationship with the Lord. And, you know, when I go into public schools, people ask me all the time, how do you how do you share this message in public settings like this in public schools? And it's the answer is a pretty simple. I, I just follow my heart. I share the story. And, you know, my story is at 21 years old, I was in that real estate development office. And I said to him one day, I said, God, if you're real, prove it. I need to know that you really have a plan for me. And two weeks later, I was in that same office and I was dialing a phone and I had this strong leading to call my mom. And I did so. And when I did, Jack, my mother was attempting suicide. Wow. And I got her to a hospital that day. And a doctor said to my dad, there's no medical reason to tell you this. It's a miracle of God. She made it. I share that little story with students all over the world um, on, a, on a daily basis, whether it's on television, whether it's on social media, through our books or on the road. And I've also spoken at schools that have had school shootings. So if you've spoken at over 4,000 events, you've reached two and a half million students. Your story is not a story that's there. I'm not there to bring division or to try to cause principals to have a challenge. You've spoken where there's been massive tragedy. And oh, by the way, we're not going to charge you anything. Hmm. Principals are very open to this. Let me ask you, you, uh, you've told me that when you speak in at all these different events, um, you really don't go in with a prepared message per se. Uh, you you kind of, I mean, you have your, your basic points, but you kind of shoot from the hip every time you're in front of a group. How, do, how are you able to do that? Yeah, it's for me, it's, it's, it's a very simple process. I pray. And, and I believe that from, I, I've never, the only time I've ever written a speech and I read the first sentence of it and it was as dry as a bone was I, I was at Syracuse University and I got a little intimidated because the, the organizers of where I was speaking said, by the way, the last person to speak in this room was General Colin Powell. <laughs> and I was like, okay. You so need to hear that. Yeah, that, that's like, you know, welcome to welcome to the big leagues. And so I, I went, stood behind the podium and I read the first sentence and there was just nothing there. And I thought, what am I doing? Never stop doing what brought you success is, is a leadership tenet that I share with students. And what had brought us success was I don't when I walk into an auditorium or an arena or a classroom set, wherever it is we're speaking, I don't walk in arrogantly thinking that I know where every student is sitting there. I don't I, there's no way for me to know that. So if, for me, just to read a prepared text or just it just for me, it just wouldn't work. So I, I pray. Now, I'm prepared. I, I mean, I, I do a lot of research. I, I, I studied today's teens. Uh, um, I, I've become very um, determined to understand the audience through the years. And what happens is usually I have a bottle of water in one hand, a microphone in the other hand, and I just walk and talk. And what happens with these young people when they realize, hey, this guy really does care. He's not reading us a speech. He's not he's not charging our school any money. He's not trying to convince me that he's right. And I tell students because I talk with them as young people instead of kids. You have the, the capacity through the choices that you make to change society as we know it, but it's your choices and the choices that you and I make create the circumstances that we now live. So I'm going to invite you to go on this journey with me, and I'm not going to try to talk you into anything today, because if I could talk you into something, someone much greater than me could talk you out of it. And so I pray, I prepare, and then as I'm walking and talking, it's as if I have painted on the canvas of my heart principles and illustrations to share from previous assemblies, previous students I've met, 
And by the time it's all over, 35, 40 minutes later, we've had this moment where students are literally in a place where they're ready to make decisions, and then we throw the net. Well, what it, can you kind of share some of the basic points that you try to make in each one of the sessions? Oh, sure. There's 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 three basic fundamental points that I hit every day on the road. One, forgiveness. Uh, a lot of students out there are living life in this place of living with unforgiveness in their heart. And I, and I explain it this way, that if you have a trash can next to you and you keep putting trash into that trash can, and you keep pushing it down and keep pushing it down, keep adding to it and adding to it. Eventually, one day that that trash can will have no option but to overflow. It's no different with your heart. I call the heart the centerpiece of humanity. And if you just keep pushing down the emotions and keep pushing down the emotions and refusing to deal with them, living with unforgiveness, not willing to, to give someone another opportunity to get it right, I, there will come a point when your heart and all the emotions within it will overflow. And when that happens, that's not a very pretty day. I know that day. I lived that day. I've experienced that day. I got the T-shirt. I know what it feels like. And so the question that I offer them to consider is, if what happens if you do not deal with your emotions and with unforgiveness in your heart? Your emotions and that unforgiveness will eventually deal with you. I was sexually abused when I was 15 years old, and I didn't tell anybody for 22 years. 22 years after I was sexually abused, I walked into a Home Depot with two of our kids with me, and I turned down aisle 17, turned right, and walked right into the person who had abused me, and my life unraveled. Again, if we don't deal with our emotions, they do deal with us. And I had a choice to make on this journey of getting healthy and getting healed, and the question was asked to me, will you forgive the person who hurt you? My immediate response was no, which was not a very Christian um, attitude to have, but that's just where I was. And the question was then posed, why not? And my response was immediate. It wasn't fair. I didn't do anything wrong. Why should I forgive this person? And then <laughs> I was asked this question, was the cross fair? I'm like, well, why'd you have to go there? And I was like, <laughs> Don't bring that I'll get back with you. It took me three days. And I made a decision. It was a, it was a decision that was a, it was a faith decision. I'll take a step of faith and I'll forgive. And I did. And Jack, this is what I tell teenagers. When you and I forgive, we get free. And man, I'm telling you, my heart got healed. I got so free. I share that little story I just shared with you every single day. So number one, I talk about forgiveness and the power from that. When you and I forgive, we get free. Number two, I talk about rejection and abandonment. A lot of students are dealing with this thing called rejection. My mother, six months before she passed away, said to me one day, she said, Dean, I emotionally abandoned you when you were four and a half years old. You and I both know that we don't really have a relationship. And it was crushing to hear that what could, and I started thinking about it, what could a four and a half year old do to cause a parent to abandon them emotionally? And then I realized you can't give what you don't have. Mm -hmm. And students resonate with that immediately. And so I talk about on the other side of rejection is a word called accepted. And the word of God teaches us that we are accepted in the beloved. When we really understand whose we are, we can then begin to understand, oh, we are greatly loved. And if we understand that we are greatly loved, then we have no issue dealing with, okay, rejection may have happened, but let me just talk with you about what happens when you are embraced by love himself and the, the power of God hits your life. And you now have this thing called acceptance in your heart instead of rejection, which then leads me to point number three, and that is suicide. Suicide is built in three parts. The first person will think about it. Secondly, they'll talk about it. Third, if they're not stopped, they will 
will attempt it. If someone today is thinking about this, they're one third of the way there. They're actually talking with someone about it. They're two thirds of the way. So often, oftentimes we are sent into schools when a person is either at phase one or phase two of this process and we are sent in there and I'm just I'm just bold enough to say what most people think and, and don't say. And I and I, I I tell principals before I speak, I say, no, I don't think any of us can have any authority in our life unless we're under authority. So when I come into your school today, I'm under your authority. This is what I would like to share. This is kind of the message. But you tell me how far to take this and I won't go past that. That's why, Jack, today I could go back 4,000 plus times. I could go back to any school I've ever been in without any issue because we don't create issues. Okay. So I ask those three questions to students at the end. I'll have them. Public schools, Christian schools, arenas, prisons, wherever. Call, say, look, close your eyes. We're going to ask you three questions. If your answer is yes, shoot your hand up. And I ask those three questions. Do you do you need to forgive someone who's hurt you? Is it a mom or dad, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, grandparent? Is it your teacher? Is your coach? Is it your best friend? Talk about forgiveness. Number two, do you know what rejection feels like? I know that pain. I know what you're going through. And at this point, these students have a pounding in the center of their chest. You can just tell. I mean, God is showing up in, the, it's in a way that's so demonstrative that only he could. And they raised their hand for that. And then number three, is suicide a real option? This takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of guts. And I get that. But when I throw the net, it, t- it catches them so there. It's so disarmed. They don't even know it. Suddenly, their hands shoot straight up in the air. And it happens every day on the road. Wow. Well, you... You, uh, that's quite a, that's quite a message and it's very direct. You created a, a, a really great tool called the I Matter Pledge Card. Share with us uh, how that came about, how you use it, and how many kids have actually signed that pledge card. Yeah, the pledge card simply says I choose to live and not, not end my life for three reasons. And those three reasons are I was created as an original. I was created for purpose. I was created as, as to have relationship. And so I invite students at the end of every one of our assemblies, We the cards are passed out, and I invite them to read it and to sign it. And at the, the bottom of that card, is, it just says, I matter, and it has a line for them to sign. And I, I did it this way because, I, again, going back to the premise that teenagers are young people who have the capacity to change society. They're not just kids, you know, blowing off time and, and, and you know, taking up a lot of oxygen. They really, they, they're, they're here for a purpose and they're preparing for their purpose. And so I share with them that if I were to take them to lunch, I would buy lunch for them and I'd pull my American Express out and I would sign my name to that, to that receipt, right? Well, when you sign your name, you're taking responsibility for that which you were signing. So when these students sign their name to this card, what they're really saying is I take responsibility for my life and I'm making a choice to live. As as of this week, we've now had over 109,000 teenagers from all walks of life sign that pledge card. It lives online on our website. People can sign it. I mean, anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. It's it's the very first thing you see on our site. And so um, we we believe in it. We, we see the results of it. And um, I, I spoke at a school recently, Jack, where a high school senior walked up to me. He said, you were in my school four years ago. I said, well, I, I guess I, I don't remember, but okay, you say it. I was here. He said, I signed your card four years ago. I said, man, that makes me so happy. He said, well, I'm really getting ready to make you happy. He said, it's on my mirror in my bedroom. I look at it every day and I look at my signature and it saved my life at least four times. That'll get you up in the morning to go again. That, listen. <laughs> And that's an interesting point you just said. I tell students this, what I do oftentimes does not get me out of bed. Why I do it will catapult me out of bed every single day. Well, you uh, talk about your website, uh, obviously getting in front of that many 
young people is amazing into itself, but you also have a, a lot of resources that are available for these students uh, after you speak or for the places that maybe you haven't even spoke. Tell about what your team provides yeah. uh, from a follow-up standpoint. We have, we have a couple of different things. We, we're big believers in social media. Um, we, we, we really haven't, until this year really began begun to invest into that side of it for follow-up. We teenagers listen with their eyes. They're they're very visual. And so we believe that if we could create videos that would reach them where they are and in, invite them back to a daily a daily experience, 60 seconds, two minutes, whatever, 30 second videos. Well, this year alone, 2023, we've had over two million views of our of our videos on social media. Okay, well, that's that's okay, but it, I mean, there are those out there who get two million in, in two minutes. So we're growing into this. Secondly, I, I, I've written, like I shared with you earlier, a, a bunch of books, and probably the most powerful resource we have right now is a book I wrote called Hope Three Sixty Five. It's a daily devotional for teenagers. I have it. And I, I wrote that it. book in one hundred and twelve days during the busiest season of my life to that point. I mean, it was. I wrote on the airplane. I wrote in hotels. I wrote in our home. I wrote in in my office. I was constantly, the Lord would give me a, a title and then he would give me a scripture or he'd give me a, a, a something, to, a scripture to write about and give me a story to go with it. And I share with teenagers, if you happen to enjoy how I speak, you'll love how I write because it's very casual, very non-stoic, um, just, just from my heart to yours. So that devotional book lives online. And so if you go to our website, and under resources, you can hit a button and it'll be a PDF of that book will be downloaded to your tablet, your phone, whatever it is you use. A book I wrote called Accepted My Journey. That's my story. Uh, it talks about being rejected, talks about being abandoned, talks about, talks about being sexually abused. I mean, it, I just I hold nothing back and it's helped a lot of people. I wrote a book called Discover Your Destiny. You know, your destiny is not yours to decide. It's yours to discover. How do you do that? I offer students a, a formula by which they can dive into a journey where they can see in their own handwriting why they are on this earth. So um, it, it's there's just lots of resources there. We, we, we believe in the visual side. We also believe in the written word. And um, we are... We, we just it's it's it would be irresponsible i believe to come into a school do what we do have the results that the lord gives us and then walk out and say have a great day i'll see you whenever we've got to put something in their hands that allows them to go okay i want more and that's what we've tried to create absolutely well like i said i have your 365 journal and have uh have gone through it more than once and i will attest to the value of it at any age uh, well, thank you for saying uh, that it's powerful one other question here, and, I, and I'm going to try to create a visual uh, for our audience here, but you have a, an opportunity a lot of times to do one-on-one -on -one conversations with young people after the assembly or whatever it might be. And a number of times they confess to you that uh, they were ready actually to take their life and they might even discuss how they were going to do it and what instrument they were going to use or tool or, or what have you. And in many cases, they've actually given you that tool or instrument. And I know that you keep a, a bag of, uh, of all of those things that have been given to you. And what a great visual to, to share with other folks. But talk a little bit about those one-on-one -on -one sessions and, and um, that bag. Sure. You know, I've got to give a visual for our audience. Absolutely. Every, every time we speak, I, I share with students that, hey, even though I probably have to leave in a few minutes to go to the next event, I'm here right now and you're here right now. And if you want to take time out of your schedule, I'll take time out of mine, but I'm not going to come find you 
if you want to chat, I'll, I'm here and I would love to talk with you. And here's here's one of the things, in fact, I'm writing a new book right now. And one of the things that's paramount to this book is teenagers don't necessarily want to talk, but they desperately need to be heard. Hmm. And there, there's there's profoundness in that when you really, when you unpack it. And that's what we're doing in this new book. But I'll tell you, I, I shared that and I was speaking at a school and a young man walked down the aisle of this big theater and he had about eight buddies with him. And I noticed immediately that he was a leader and students, students oftentimes will say to me, well, I'm a leader. And I go, well, here's a fail proof way to know if you truly are leading, look over your shoulder and see if anyone is following. I mean, it's just simple. And this young man had eight guys following him. He walks up to me, shakes my hand. He goes, Hey, I really appreciate your message. I wanted to come by myself and thank you. I said, well, I appreciate you taking the time. I said, tell me your name. And he did. And then he stopped and he turned around to his friends and he goes, I'll catch you at lunch. I need to speak to this guy a minute by myself. And these eight, Young men dutifully turned around and walked away. I thought, man, and I even said, I said, you truly are a leader. He goes, how do you know that? I said, well, they followed you down here. You asked them to leave and they left. So you're leading some people. He goes, well, I'm actually the quarterback of the football team. I said, that makes sense to me. I said, tell me about your life. He goes, well, I've got a 3.8 GPA. I'm the quarterback of the team. We're playing for the state championship this Friday night. Everyone thinks we're going to win. He said, I've got a wonderful girlfriend. I come from a great home. My life is really put together. I said, that's wonderful. He said, but I need to tell you something in, in, in full transparency. I said, sure. He goes, those three questions you asked, forgiveness, rejection, suicide. I said, yes, sir. He goes, I raised my hand for all three questions. And Jack, I was dumbfounded. I just stood there. Wait, wait a minute. You got to help me with this. You're the, you're the quarterback of the football team. You've got a good family. You're dating someone that you really care about. You've got a 3.8 GPA. You're playing for the state championship this Friday night. You think you're going to win. And you have the audacity to tell me today that you need to forgive somebody. You feel like you've been rejected and you actually thought about suicide. And suddenly I, I said, why? You've got to tell me why. I need to understand this because I genuinely care about you. And his eyes filled with tears. And he reached into his pocket. And he very slowly and very methodically pulled out of that pocket a 12-gauge shotgun shell. He put it in my hand and grasped my hand and said, today at 315, which was 240 minutes from that moment, he said that at 315 today, I was going to the 50-yard line, not to throw a football, but to end my life. Wow. We're four hours. I said, okay, tell me why. And here's what he said. He said, you cannot imagine the pressure to perform that I live with every day. He said, I can't take it anymore. And I began to just share with him what the Lord put on my heart. And suddenly those tears gave way to a, a smile that shot from ear to ear because he caught the revelation that he, he was created on purpose and with purpose and for purpose. But his purpose was not to perform. His purpose was to be loved and to embrace this thing called love. And we got him some help and 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 he he went on his way. And today I carry with me wherever we go. I've got that shotgun shell. I've got a razor blade a 14-year-old girl in Texas gave me. I've, I've got a cigarette lighter that a young man at a at a Native American Indian reservation school gave me. I said, what is that? He said, it's a lighter. I said, I don't smoke. He goes, I don't either. I said, I don't understand. He said, he said you told me I matter. I said, you do matter. He said, I don't want to burn myself anymore. And he handed me the the the, the, um, the lighter. Hmm. I mean, I've got so many, so many of those stories. And it's I'm very thankful for them because it's part of mission accomplished that we're seeing happen through through what, what we've been called to do. Well, what a what a rewarding ministry to to get, to, and and it's obviously it's a compliment to you and the Lord working through you that the kids will will open up and be transparent. And you're a hundred percent right that they don't want to speak, but they definitely want to be heard. And, yes, and the whole, I, as you were telling the story about the quarterback and the young man, in my mind, I, I was beginning to 
formulate what I thought his answer was going to be and pressure was what I thought he was dealing with. And, and you certainly can understand that. One last question. If someone is listening to our podcast right now and they're struggling in any of the areas that we just spoke about, you just spoke about, what advice would you share with them? The best-selling book of all times, Jack, is the Bible. And in it, it says, open communication permits progress. You know, I would encourage you. And I know that people who listen to your podcast are, are, are leaders and they're, they're, they're leading organizations, they're leading people, they're leading families. You know, don't be afraid to open up to someone. The, the greatest fear I had when I was going through all what I was going through is, what are people going to think? And then I realized, who cares? We're all going through something. And some of the most amazing times of, of, of my life have been where I've just been the most vulnerable, where I've just let down my guard and gone, this is the true, authentic me. And I, 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 let me just say this, if I may. I, I was I used to wear a suit and tie and a start shirt and cuff pants and cuff links everywhere I go to speak. Even in schools, I'd wear a tie. And one day I realized that's not working. And I was speaking out in Salt Lake City at a, at a, at a, a corporate event, if you, and I put my suit together. But I also took a pair of jeans a polo shirt and a sweatshirt. And I get to where I'm speaking. Everybody, there's 3,000 people downstairs. They're all dressed, you know, suits and ties and dresses. And I get dressed and I, and I have this question pop into my heart. Do you like how you look? And I went, no. Change clothes. So I went downstairs dressed in jeans, a sweatshirt and a polo shirt. The guy that met me at the bottom of the elevator, he was somewhat perplexed. He was like, you could just tell. He was like, do you not understand? You're getting ready yeah. to speak to 3,000 yeah, people. Yeah, I can see. They escort me to the green room, which, by the way, is never green, but in the green room and everybody's looking at me and they start to introduce me. And the guy just couldn't take it anymore. He goes, aren't you going to change? And I said, I just did. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dean Sykes. And I walked <laughs> in, I grabbed my mic. And here's what I did. I'll tell you that to tell you this. I told that audience, and his, this is when our this is when our ministry really changed the most at, at that point. I grabbed a chair and I stood on the chair and I looked down at the audience. I said, you know, for a long time, I've been very insecure. I dressed the part, I looked the part, I talked the part, but I always felt like I was elevated to try to make sure you knew how great my message was. Tonight, I'm just going to be me. And if you like that, wonderful. And if you don't, okay. I stepped off the chair and I just did what I was called to do. And Jack, when it was over, the place erupted. I mean, it went wild. Not because I was such a great speaker, but because the authenticity was so real. And that's what I would say to someone who's maybe dealing with unforgiveness, dealing with rejection, dealing maybe even with suicide. Look for the authentic you and realize God's never made a mistake and he sure didn't start by making one with you. Well, that's a great message. Well, Dean, listen, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of uh, your incredible schedule to share this amazing work that you're doing. And uh, for teenagers around the world. I mean, you literally are uh, doing life-changing work. And so now I don't want to keep any longer. Now, Ron, get on your airplane and go get back to work, okay? Yes, sir, we, on our way. We, we appreciate you so much being with us today. Well, folks, thanks for joining us today. And I, I look forward to having you back with us next week as we spend time with another interesting guest. And until then, make sure you're being a positive influence in the lives of others. Thanks for listening to this episode of KnowledgeCast. Leave a review and share this episode with someone you know. In addition to KnowledgeCast, there are a lot more exciting things coming to Jack's website this year as he helps even more people be a positive influence in the lives of others. So visit jackwwilliams.com to stay up to date. We'll see you next week for an all-new episode of KnowledgeCast.